This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, know that I know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Solve for Why vlogcast. I am joined remotely from the one and only Christian Soto, still hanging out in some sort of exercise coffee shop lobby in Jersey. We ain't leaving here until we get ripped. You heard? I got a challenge for you. <laughs> I've heard. I've heard of this challenge. Yeah. No, man, it's a pleasure to be back. It's a... Uh... I feel like we, we've been off for a couple weeks, and I'm excited to uh, jump right into this podcast today. There's a lot of stories today, man. It's been a hot topic week. What uh, You been following along or what? I mean, I see some things in the Twitterverse getting cast about. A lot of dick waving, to say the least. Uh, I Hey, I threw down the gauntlet. Nobody wanted to take me up on my challenge. I'm trying to see some dicks. Let's go. I've heard. I've everybody, heard. I saw that. Everybody wants to everybody wants to proclaim their their prowess and everything. Let's get some measurements on the books, boys. Who's rocking the hogs out there? That's that's all I think the world needs to know at this point. <laughs> all right. Before we get into all that stuff, I do want to say that the new poker out loud is up on both the YouTube and the subscription site. I'm excited for it, man. What did you think about it? Uh, the first episode was really good. We managed to play One Orbit, which is more than you would think in these types of environments. Uh, there's just like a lot of shit that goes on. This hand took place, the old Ace-Queen versus Ace-4, run it, um, which I think is really fun for the viewing standpoint, but also like pretty informative uh, for Jeremiah to you know, reach and kind of find these bluffs. Also, it was a scenario where, uh, fortunately, I kind of understood where he was pulling his bluffs from from the flop raise on so i didn't get lost by the run out you know uh like once the board texture changes i think it's pretty easy to start dismissing what you would deem to be a logical bluff um but you know for jeremiah's purposes once he lands on river he was kind of saying like i don't have natural bluffs anymore so i kind of have to be reaching for the ones that were at least natural on the flop and he's right uh i just happen to have the nut candidate the call pretty interesting hand that we are going to further dig into in an episode of On Second Thought, which will be out in two weeks from Saturday. Um, but this upcoming Saturday, we also have a mastermind being led by uh, one of our students, actually, Michael Lukic. Um, he's going to demonstrate his approach to practical range splitting from an analytical uh, or more of a statistical analysis, I guess, point of view. Um, Michael's day job is to do data analysis for uh, marketing. And he kind of applies that into the solver realm. So I, I think, you know, I've already seen the layout of what he plans on doing. I think it's really informative and really great approach. All right. So if you guys want to watch the new Poker Out Loud, the most innovative show in all of poker, you get to hear what Berkey thinks in real time, the young prince's thoughts in real time, Jeremiah, Lynn, all these people in real time. You can sign up for the Solver Wide TV website. It's, it's, it's like catching fire right now. So give it a look. If not, if you want a little little taste, if you want to taste a, a little bit, you know, when you go to the mall and they give you a little piece before you buy, you can check it out on YouTube. It's the vlogger edition. It's fresh. And I'm a fan, man. I'm a fan, you know. I'm glad to be, you know, in the mix too, so every now and then. All right. So, a lot of topics. I'm actually going to throw a curveball to our producers. You know, a lot of shows 
they 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 wait until the big story to the end so that the people um you know they 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 stick around to the end but i'm not going to do that to you guys today i'm going to give you guys the story in the front and if you love us and you appreciate us you'll like and subscribe this video and you'll stick around for the remaining of stories berkey yes sir we're going to start with Vanessa Cade. Okay. Our producers are not going to like it. You know, we, we planned out a whole show. Sure. But, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to say we're going to start with Vanessa. We're going to give the people the hot story in the beginning once they become, you know, fans of us. We're going to hit them with the, the TMZ message. and then we're going to have them yeah. loop back around to the, uh, to the Washington Post story. But before that, they're going to like and subscribe. Yeah. All right. So here we go. On March the 9th, Vanessa tweets out a tweet that says, effectively, she ends up getting canned from her GG affiliate deal, right? Rachel, uh, sh who is a part of GG, shoots her a DM and says, hey, I know you're expecting this. I need to close your affiliate deal, uh, terminated uh, our partnership. And then she goes on to say all these other things like women really like working here. I it's a shame that you can't see this. Uh, to call this misogynistic is completely inaccurate. Uh, I'm a mom and I've been doing this for a while, et cetera, et cetera. Vanessa pretty much claps back at her and says, you can do better. You recruited a man who, who clearly abused women. Um, I have a number of friends that work there, but they have a job. They need to support their family. They're not just going to like get up and quit. So to use the argument that, you know, females work there is inaccurate. The, the fire is on. So the community is up in arms, right? Like people start taking sides. And the first question is, should GG approach it this way? Basically, like like before we even get like, I'll, I'll, I'll display the whole background of all this okay. first, I think. GG signs Dan Bilzerian. So for those of you that don't know this story, I'm going to kind of like give a little bit of the backstory. GG signs Dan Bilzerian, right? As a sponsored pro representative slash representative. That causes an uproar from the community, basically saying um, this is not uh, uh, someone we want to represent poker. Uh, and then especially the women's side fight strongly against against this. Right. And after that, as a response to Gigi signing Dan Bilzerian, they sign. Let me get her name correctly. Davia Byrne. Right. Yep. And she's in charge of the Department of Outreach and Community Development. Everything kind of dies down for a little while, right? And now, before we get into, hmm, how do I want to frame this? Okay, let's, that's the background. Let's start there. What do you think is the response that we should have to this tweet from Vanessa? Empathy, largely. Uh, it's very difficult as men to put ourselves in the shoes of any marginalized group, but particularly of women, um, you know, it's, it's just nothing, nothing we'll ever relate to. Uh, I think that we should try to understand why it's so upsetting to women to see somebody who's a clear misogynist be an ambassador for a major poker brand and company that by and large, we all support, uh, it at a bare minimum with our dollars. I think that it's hard to get the collective to rally behind you. The problem is, is that there's a reason Dan Bilzerian has a platform. There's a reason why these misogynistic tricks and flamboyance catch fire. Uh, and largely it's just because people are simple. 
people are simple as a whole. Uh, more specifically, um, men are very susceptible to buying into the narrative that money, power, fame, whatever can all be leveraged into happiness uh, or I guess more specifically into uh, an increase in sex or an increase in sex. So I think that, you know, there is just a very, very large collection of, I, I don't know what adjectives to properly use here, like, but basically just like largely insecure and unhappy men who are looking for a path forward and Bolzerian is low hanging fruit. You know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard fight, uh, in reality for Vanessa and the women of this community, because at the end of the day, when it all boils down to dollars, unfortunately, they just don't matter, right? Every single woman who plays poker at this very moment could absolutely remove their liquidity from the pool, stop playing altogether, and nobody would even notice on the stat sheet. They're just such a small fraction of the community, and that's tragic, right? Like, they're maybe they maybe make up three percent of the overall um liquidity pool and uh it might even be slightly less like they may physically make I, up three percent of people but monetarily speaking they may actually represent less i think that's a very slippery slope though that argument is is one where it's like if we just completely neglect every single uh minority group because of dollars like it's a very slippery slope and causes like very dangerous ramifications so you think like even outside of poker if we were to do that and just say like, oh, black people don't don't matter, or that, or minorities don't matter, women don't matter, and it's like if I'm we saying. remove that, I know, and I'm not saying you're saying that. That's why I'm saying it's a slippery slope. Like it's like you're one degree away from that, where it's like if we remove this this minority, then it doesn't matter. Well, so let's not care. Well, about you it. need to do root cause root cause analysis, right? And th this is the this is the challenge with problems of this magnitude, is that this isn't a this isn't necessarily a marginalization issue. Like this isn't necessarily a marginalized group being dismissed. Uh, it's more so a capitalistic um, incentive laden problem, right? If we were able to harm Gigi's business, monetarily speaking, by empowering women, then these practices and behaviors would be disincentivized. But the actual opposite occurs, right? Financially speaking, they're heavily incentivized to rally behind Dan Bilzerian, to be the outrageous company that, you know, leans slightly into misogyny, leans slightly into party boy behavior, leans slightly into boys being boys, uh, leans slightly into bro culture. And the reason why they're incentivized to do that is because 97 plus percent of poker players are male. And a huge, simple majority of that are shallow males who fall for this so, type of marketing. So your argument is is one that it's not necessarily GG's fault; it's our fault. Uh, partially, I, I think. I think basically, I think the blame um, is is more widespread than just being targeted at one what we appear to or what we perceive to be a bad actor. Uh, I don't want to excuse GG at all, so uh, I want to make it abundantly clear that. What they're doing is incredibly wrong isn't even the right word right it it lacks virtue it lacks um any level of integrity and it lacks 
consideration and thoughtfulness um, as far as growth goes beyond the here and now, right? It's very short-sighted and it's very much in line with money grabbing, but we incentivize that as a community as a whole, right? Forget the gender issue, forget the misogyny of aligning yourself with a damn Blazarian and just look at sites like Party Poker to now like- Poker stars, poker stars. Yeah, that have done everything possible to impact us monetarily as professionals, right? They've, they've done everything from removing uh, Supernova Elite to increasing rake to uh, all but removing all sort of rake back characteristics. They've gamified the reward system to where now you're basically gambling for your rewards. You're playing these chests and all this other bullshit, right? They've eliminated all professionals from their roster and they're, they're going to outreach for athletes and everything else, but they're incentivized to do so because we don't clap back. Nobody stopped playing stars. All the regs still play there on Sunday. They still are the, the, the largest site, uh, traffic wise, I believe. Um, and they're at least top three, uh, mm -hmm. as far as volume goes. Uh, and this is a company that not only doesn't prioritize poker, but has like largely said that it means nothing to them now that they've been bought out by, I don't even know who owns them now. Um, but you know, they effectively said like your peons to us, this is just like 1% of our revenue that is a nice bonus, but we don't give a shit about. And we just, we, we just eat our vegetables and grin, you know, we, we take it all on the chin. So it's like to think that somehow the community is going to not talk with their dollars, but then somehow rally behind a social cause is just a little bit wishful thinking, I think. And that's not saying that we shouldn't. It's just saying that we have a large community-wide issue when it comes to getting out of the self-centered mindset of every man for himself, go collect every dollar you can. You know, they did hire somebody for this, right? Mm -hmm. And it was someone the females or, or, or people from the female community would consider one of their own. Um, she was in charge of a foundation or an organization called Flip, uh, which was just for that, right? Like, um, so as a response to the Daniel Bilzerian uh, controversy, Daniel Bilzerian, of course, ends up calling Vanessa Kate a hoe, right, on on Twitter, which was, I mean. <laughs> I don't even know what to say because it's one of those things where it's like, like if I hired somebody and like they call somebody a hoe on Twitter immediately, like I don't even know how, like, this what is do the I do? But this is the like, thing. There, there is no I bad publicity. No, there's no bad publicity in this, in this community, right? Nobody gives a shit. And that's unfortunate. But whenever your community is so hardcore one way, you get away with that type of stuff, right? Uh, when we have a lack of female representation, in this community, they are disenfranchised, right? Like they become very marginalized in this community because they are such a a vast minority that their voice goes unheard. And we need more advocates for the the unheard in this population for sure. But it's also a slippery slope from that standpoint, right? It's so hard not to be accused of white knighting whenever you are uh, trying to basically point out the egregious actions that have been taking place for 30 plus years in this industry and other industries alike, right? Uh, there are I think, I think there's definitely a problem in, in support, right? Like, like why I feel like, you know, when I was scrolling Twitter and all these things, like I didn't see 
the Daniel Andersons uh, standing up. I didn't see the Kelly Minkins standing up. I didn't see the Jennifer Harmons standing up. I didn't see this. Right. I saw men standing up. Yeah. And it's like, that's what I'm saying. Like, where are you? Like, where are you? Like, and, and where, this, where? Yeah, this holds true across the board, right? This, this is the the self-centered every man for himself. Like, if it's not if it's not directly my problem, then it's not something I'm concerned about. You see this in every regard, right? There are attacks that take place in this community day in and day out, and almost never do you see somebody rally behind the quote-unquote underdog in that scenario. And you know, Vanessa represents that in this. She has a much lesser following than Blitz. She's of a marginalized group. He's not. Um, and, and yeah, like whenever the men stand up for her, it comes off as virtue signaling, right? It, it almost has less, uh, less traction than if collectively the hundred most prominent women in the community took a stand and said, like, we're not going to put up with this shit. The problem is, is that they may not be directly as impacted as Vanessa is. They may not have the same experience as Vanessa. Therefore, they don't see it as a larger problem. Uh, they, they don't see it as um, a bigger picture problem, right? Like, mm-hmm. it be, it may be very easy for someone like the aforementioned or like Chrissy B to just say, like, I'm treated well when I'm at the tables. I'm treated well uh, publicly on Twitter. I'm treated well by my peers and by other men. Therefore, mm-hmm. I don't see an issue, right? But it's just that they have blinders on to what's actually taking place. Um, I, I think that... You know, by and large, it's it's a really difficult thing because you don't change a culture overnight, obviously. And these isolated incidents don't move the needle enough and don't rally enough support uh, amongst the collective that obviously are on Vanessa's side. And that sucks because like in her shoes, you feel so unseen and so almost like forgotten to some degree when you're on the right side of an argument, the clear right side so egregiously clear that people who agree with your side don't say anything that becomes a really shitty feeling and it stops you from speaking out in the future okay so there's two topics i want to talk about one is a couple of interviews that davia made for gg uh or in part for gg Mm -hmm. and also i want to talk about the the topic of the payments that Vanessa was receiving. Let's start with Davia's interviews because, you know, we are talking about women standing up. Uh, she was hired for GG for community outreach and development. And these were some of the answers that she had when approached with these kind of questions that we'll play now. When Gigi first signed Dan Bilzerian, it was basically looked at by a lot of people as a shrewd business move. But from the ladies poker community, it was looked at uh, very negatively. Uh, you know, personally, I didn't necessarily appreciate the tweets back, you know, sent over to Vanessa as well. That just made matters worse. It's like pouring fuel on the fire. Uh, but what did yeah. you think at the time? Did your opinion change over time and did it let's say have any impact in your decision making process to join gg poker uh i mean i i try to focus on you know uh future rather than the past you know people will have opinions and we are entitled to them and you know fair enough but i just hope that with my actions going forward you know like i i can shift those perceptions and you know like i can prove that you know like i was here you know like to make a difference, you know, like truly from my heart, and I only want the best for the community. I mean, what what happened in the past is out of my control, 
and I just would rather you know focus on something I can I can do. I mean, you've basically touched on this, but what would you let's say say to let's say someone that you barely know or you might not even know, but they follow you on social media, they see that you joined, you know, they they come to chat with you and say, why should yeah. I not be boycotting GG Poker? You know, I've been boycotting. You know, it was a trend among ladies in the group, and I want to support the ladies, and I'm against mm-hmm. what happened. What what yeah. do you think? What would you tell them? Well, I would just say that I hope that over the coming months to that the initiatives we implement in relation to inclusivity and uh, flip community. I just just hope that people are gonna give a shot. So because give give Diva a chance. Software, give software GG is Poker a chance. And uh, the software is amazing. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I, I mean, software is amazing. And quite a lot myself. Yeah, it's, it's undeniable that playing on GG is lots of fun, and we are like very advanced in technology, and it's very player interactive. And everyone's displayed so far from the mates I know, they just love it. So what would you say to uh, to someone that, you know, you know, is banning the the product and, you know, follows you on social media and the software is amazing? Well, yeah, a couple of things, hey. uh, a couple of things. So obviously, again, this doubles back to the the self-righteousness and the every man for himself mentality. Right. She was offered an incredibly fortuitous position at a big company that I assume she could vertically uh, grow in, right? So she's looking out for number one. She is now in charge of putting out this fire and being the female face that says this place is friendly to us. Uh, It's obviously bullshit. She's moving the goalpost by now saying like, oh, well, forget about this Blazarian thing over here. We have the best software on the market, right? Here are our competitive advantages that make you want to play GG. It's like, yeah. That's true, which is why men aren't going to stop playing there. But that doesn't sell with women who are outraged at the fact that you are hiring a guy who threw a porn star off a roof and shattered her ankle, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that you know that that's a a, a bit of a I know what, anecdotal I know what you're to example, say, but it's just yeah. like you know that's casual behavior for blitz. Uh, so it's like at some point as a company, you don't get to have it both ways. Um, this hiring to me is very strange. You can't lean that heavily into bro culture and then say, but like, oh, we have females who align as well. Um, and you know, in some regards, it reminds me of the political landscape where, uh, you know, you see a lot of, I don't know, man, you just see like a lot of the messaging to be like hardcore one way, whether it be, um, you know, the, the, the Trumpian side or the uh, super liberal left, it's just non-inclusive, right? It's just very right. exclusive to that belief system. Um, or in this particular example, it, it's very specific to uh, that sort of culture. Um, and you can't slap lipstick on a pig, right? Uh, I mean, that's all this really is, right? They're, they're just trying to kind of make this scenario look a little bit better. But at the end of the day, like she's not equipped to do the job in any way, shape, or form. And no offense, I don't know her from Adam. Uh, I don't think that phrase applies. I don't know her from Eve. Um, but just like remarks like that aren't indicative of um, doing good, I guess, uh, PR, right? Like, my, it, yeah, my, my biggest issue is that she's in charge of a department that's literally called outreach and community, yeah. like uh, development. 
in this entire week, I haven't like I haven't heard anything from her. I went on her Twitter, and she's like replying to other things that are completely unrelated to yeah, the yeah, crisis. Of course, and then the interview there. itself is just very dismissive, right? It, it's, yeah, like she gets asked point blank, "What would you say to people that you previously encouraged to boycott GG?" And her response is, "But the software is great." Right. Yeah. So it's that's, just like, that's, that's a ridiculous answer. Yeah. I, I mean, like, you know, again, I'm just calling a spade a spade. She's just very ill-equipped for this role. Right. Uh, hiring a female poker player to absorb this role is just another spit in the face from GG to the community saying like, we think you're too stupid to, to see through, um, how companies are supposed to navigate in the corporate world. Uh, you know, at a bare minimum, you would want to hire a woman who is two decades into a PR career. Right, like mm -hmm. you, you have a big fire to put out here. But the thing is, it's not that big, and the reason it's not that big again is because the community turns a blind eye, uh, and that's unfortunate. And you know, I'm sure all of us could do better, myself included. Um, you know, I, I would like to think that I champion for all underdogs, not just women or minorities or anything like that. But at the same token, like, what have I done to to help improve this situation? You know. Uh, what have I done to discourage people from playing on GG? To me, the RTA thing is a bigger deal than the fact that they hired a misogynist. But that's because the RTA affects me more than uh, Dan Blazarian being the face of a poker company. Right. So there was, a, there was a couple of reactions from the from the poker community. Some were positive and some were not so positive. Last night, Doug Polk um, responds to Vanessa and effectively says, like, in a very sarcastic tone, like, why did you like this is ridiculous like why are you pointing out the international women's day uh scenario um you know you might as well have said that um if it was your birthday week or something yeah right something yeah. along those lines i did respond to him and multiple people did respond to him and say you know this it wasn't necessarily like like a correlation of, of logic it was more just like an ironic correlation where it was like yeah it's just ironic you know that this happened they put out all these things and then they pulled this off yeah um and further matt glance put out a tweet saying you know vanessa should have been a politician she was getting paid from gg while this was all going on the argument from vanessa is that this is work she did two years ago in an affiliate deal mm -hmm. and for those of you that don't understand how affiliate deals work vanessa uh pretty much signs up her friends you know signs up people to this website and says like, hey, like, um, I work for them, et cetera. Um, I'm an affiliate. So they sign up under her, and she gets a, a small percentage of the rake. This was two years ago, right? Her argument is that this work has already been completed, and it was two years ago, and she hasn't been pushing her affiliate deal anymore. So right, she's just collecting the work all previous signups. Right from two years ago that she's no longer yeah. doing anymore, yeah. but. If she just terminates the deal on her own, she's just giving them free money. Sure. So what is what is, what do you think our take should be on both these these things? Well, first, I, I I wanted to point this out earlier in the in the pod, and I'm I'm sorry it took me this long because I just my my thoughts were scattered. But it's insane that you and I are having this conversation, right? Like, yeah. it's it's crazy that we don't have female representation here to have this talk either. But it also becomes a little bit of you want to avoid the dog and pony show, right? Um, kind of like what happened with Postle and uh, Veronica. Like just parading mm -hmm. her around from podcast to podcast to podcast to podcast when it's like her insight wasn't that much greater than anybody else that was involved. She just kind of became the face and the poster child of it. Maybe that's a good thing because maybe people can latch on to a personality type. But it's also well, like... Well, I spoke, 
I spoke to Vanessa and I was like, hey, no, like, I know do you, you did. Do you want to come on to yeah. our show? And then I, I well, first of all, I asked her, how many shows are you going to be on right now? Because right. like, I, I'm sure I, I won't be the first one. And she's like, oh, Elliot asked me, you know, Elliot Rowe asked me and like a couple people asked me. I was like, OK, like, don't feel inclined to come on to our show because like. I don't want you to have to do every other, like every single well, show. That's, and that's like, kind of the know. point I was getting at is it's not fair to mm -hmm. her, right? She didn't yeah. choose to be the face of a movement and she shouldn't have to shoulder that responsibility solo. Uh, and then it becomes just like very disingenuous if we just start randomly going through our Rolodex and calling up women to get their opinion on this matter. That said, mm -hmm. that still seems more genuine than just getting your opinion or my opinion. But it's also like, you know, it, it's it's a it's a talk show of sorts. So we're just right. kind of throwing out. What you're ideas. saying is like it would be nice to have the other women besides Vanessa yeah. saying like, I want to talk about this. Yeah. 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 You know, like like uh, we need to talk about this. Right. Like like they should be like knocking on 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 whatever media outlet wants to hear them. Well, the thing is, say, is like, that happens naturally if if they if they are collectively chiming up in public space. Mm. If, if we had seen a lot of back and forth from notable women in the community, then you don't have to just lean on Vanessa. You can pluck any one of them out that you think will make a good guest, right? Yes. Um, but unfortunately, it's like she's just shouting from the rooftops by herself and isn't really right. Like we up. had, we've had, you know, you know, D Moon is my friend and we've had her on this show to talk about inequality in Minnesota. You know, it's like this hit this should hit home more than inequality in Minnesota when you live in Vegas now, you know, yeah, and mean, like she's my friend, you know, so uh, well, it's not fair I'm to throw her under the bus. No, I'm it not throwing her under the wasn't, bus. It wasn't I'm, just like, saying, I'm just saying it wasn't like no, no, you no, asked yeah. or the, the thing is, is that we're we're being very critical of people not volunteering their opinion. Um, yeah. They very well could hold an aligned opinion privately and just not volunteer it publicly. But I think that that is part of the issue because the mm -hmm. other side is very public. Right. Um, yes. And again, it's like, you know, if we want to go back to how Trump got elected, it's it's the, the silent majority was not the the people for Trump. It was the the other side who just thought that this lunatic could never be elected. Right. Um, and this it's the people who fall on the right side of history tend to be silent because they assume that everybody knows what they know uh, or they assume that they lead with their virtues enough that people can give them the benefit of the doubt but it's very important to support those who are willing to kind of put themselves out there and champion for a cause right uh as far as the polk tweet goes it's just obviously insanely tone deaf um i do kind of understand at least where the thought came from for him but he's also just an utter troll so it's like this is his poor attempt at comedy um i get what he's saying in the sense that when you start to highlight something like international Women's day as uh, can you believe this happened on this day type of thing? It feels very self-involved, right? It, it feels like it's very self-important. But your point is more valid, where it's more like it was just an ironic coincidence or maybe it wasn't, right? Um, obviously, if it happened a day prior or a day later, that wouldn't have been mentioned, right? It just mm -hmm. happened to be a relative detail that makes it all the more laughable. Um, right. And I think that that is completely reasonable to be pointed out. And I think it's very silly to poke fun at somebody for doing so. Like he's just cherry picking the weakest part of her argument and turning her right. entire argument into that. This is this is what Twitter does. It just speaks back and forth in logical fallacies. And it's really unfortunate. And Glance is doing the exact same thing, right? 
there's no case to be made for the fact that she's getting paid by the company that she's rallying against other than she should be telling all of those affiliates to protest the site. And if they choose not yeah. to, then she should be compensated for them not protesting, right? But it's insane for her to add money to the pockets or line the pockets of said company further instead of her own just to, mm -hmm. you know, get the point across. Because nobody would know that she cut that deal. Right. Right? She's just cutting off her nose to spite her face at that point, which is really silly. Now, should she, should she go to every single person that she had sign up and say, hey, this is my new stance on the company. They're bad actors. Pull your money and pull your account immediately. Absolutely. Should she terminate yeah, the deal? Agreed. I don't think so. It seems silly. Agreed. Right? And again, we're just making we're making these leaps of logic where it's like, if she's being paid by said company, then she's a hypocrite for protesting said company. And that's bullshit. It's like things change. Things change mm -hmm. rapidly. Dan Blazarian was not a representative of the company when she was a, an affiliate for GG. The fact that she's being paid retroactively isn't yes. a, a demonstration of allegiance right mm -hmm. so yeah I, I think that like these narratives uh only further the problem they are means of propping oneself up so that's polk's version of using his megaphone to turn the attention to himself rather than on vanessa uh it's glance's way of towing the line between men and women and trying to shine a light on hypocrisy where he feels that it exists so that he doesn't lose the good favor of the Mike Dentales of the world. But he also right. has guys like me or Dan O'Brien championing for him to being, a, a, you know, kind of a source of logic and reason. And all of those things can be true and not true at the same time. He could absolutely be a source of logic and reason, but he could still be tone deaf in his messaging. And I think that that's a lot of what yeah. we're seeing here. So I, I think by and large, we just do a very poor job of picking the sources that we choose to listen to that we choose to rally behind. And we also overly critique people based on one-off instances. Talking about Mike Dentali, I've known Mike for a long, like really long time, right? Like we both, we both were coming up in this, not coming up, but at least I played with him a very long time in the East coast. Uh, he ends up trying to throw a shot at Vanessa and effectively says like, Oh, is this her? And shows a photo that's like maybe 10 years old where Vanessa was, probably 50 pounds heavier and trying to like belittle her, her looks at that point. Vanessa claps back and says like demonstratively <laughs> says like, fuck you. This is what I look like now. And I have abs and like pulls her shirt up. I thought that was one of the biggest dunks I've seen in 2021. Like that was, that was pretty wild, but I think that's part of the problem. Like why did he even feel the need to do that? I mean, she's dunking on a Neanderthal, right? Like, what, what are we doing? This guy's 40-something. Grow the fuck up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought like, that was a pretty on. bad one. Like, we're going we're gonna to somehow turn what is an actual reasonable discussion. Is it mm -hmm. unreasonable that a company is aligning themselves with person X? Is it unreasonable that person X called player Y a hoe, right? Mm -hmm. is, all of this is worth fleshing out in the public eye and worth having a discussion. And then you have idiots like Dentali who can't use their fucking words and don't have anything intelligent ever to say that just Google someone and say, hey, look, you used to be fat. Right. Grow the fuck up. Yeah, like how crazy. tiny is your dick? Let's get back to the dick measuring <laughs> contest. I have Dentali oh. in the lower 5% for dick size. Period. End of story. End of discussion. 
There's just I'm zero doubt okay. in my mind. Come on, man. This guy is rocking a micro peen. It's the only way you could be that angry <laughs> and that fucking insensitive to other human beings. It's the only way. You heard it here first. I'm just saying. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh, my God. All right. I guess <laughs> there you go. Okay. So I, I want to get back to two topics. So let's start, let's start grading performance here. Rachel, you read the tweet. Rachel. Uh, that she, yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. So this is the thing. This is the, this is the thing. I kind of feel bad for Rachel in some in some instance, and and I told this to Vanessa too. I feel like someone told her, "Hey, you need to terminate Vanessa, and you need to tell her that women love working here. Sure. That's your job for today." Well, it could also just be it. like uh, it could also just be like Stockholm syndrome, where you fall, fall in love with your captor. You know what I mean? Like she could just be so yeah, thankful yeah. for the job and like. Feels like she, again, like what I was saying, where it's everyone's own experience, right? Maybe she feels like she's treated extremely well. Maybe she sees the whole Blazarian thing as just an act and he's actually a nice guy in mm. real life and yada, yada, yada. But right. at the end of the day, man, you have to be held accountable to the receipts, right? You are who you project yourself to be. Whether we're talking about Vanessa or Blazarian or Dentali or Polk or whatever one of these people who have a public platform that are willing to expose themselves day in and day out, you eventually are judged off of that. Period. There is, there's, you think I don't know every fucking word that comes out of my mouth is a representation of who I am, right? Yeah. Like I run through many filters before I say things. And when I say things that are outlandish, it's because I fucking believe them. So yeah. hold me to it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just the way it is. And I think that it's like really bullshitty to give people a pass because somehow they can't see the bigger picture. Okay, there's a couple other questions, right? Okay, so we're gonna say Rachel doesn't get a pass, even if she was told this. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of. I mean, she went in on Vanessa. She was like, "Oh, I'm a mom. You, I'm all this stuff." You can you cannot get a pass and still have done what's best for yourself, right? You could just right. be selfish. If like this was a do this or you're fired type of thing, and she chose to do that, fine, right? Right, but, but that's but that seems unlikely, though. Right, but be judged yeah. for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. uh, you know, no, yeah. nobody's saying it's not a rock and a hard place situation. Nobody's saying that you're not choosing what's best for you over what's best for the collective. But also, yeah. don't like, don't somehow get painted into a corner as being a martyr, where like you were yeah. forced into doing this thing. Come on. Right? Like right, everybody's accountable for their own actions. I don't care where you're at on the totem pole. I don't care what hurdles you have to jump over. I, I know this sounds so privileged because it's like, oh, well, you're financially independent. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Yada, yada. You don't have to answer anybody. Yes, of course. But I also developed a life to be framed that way. And I, I develop a life that is insanely accountable to myself first and foremost, but then also anybody who I think aligns with my virtues. So like, I'm mm. not going to put myself in a position to be compromised, right? Correct. And, and I'm not saying that everybody has that opportunity. I know how fortunate I am. I am saying though, that if you are backed into a corner and you have to choose the lesser of two evils, expect the fallout. Expect yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. Deal, you know that's what fair. the ramifications are. Yeah, I, I, think, I thought she was graded, like if I had to grade a performance in that situation, it was like pretty bad. Like she could have closed the account and said like, hey, we were, you know, it's unfortunate that we were once uh, so close and we've fallen apart. It's and an insane email, man. The the it, corporate version of that email is, hello, Vanessa. 
I regret to inform you, we're going to have to terminate your mm -hmm. account due or in light of the recent public spat between GG yeah. and yourself. I hope you yeah, it's over. the best in, or I wish you the best in the future. Signed, corporate. It's true. Her email was like pretty ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty wild. And then, you know, going moving forward, like I would like to also like figure out how well or poorly uh, Davia is doing in this. Because to I me, mean, she's like, I've said my piece. I, no... I, I really don't know her at all. And I'm not trying to come off as like condemning her. Uh, I just think that like, you know, based off of what we're able to judge, she's just ill-equipped for the job. And that's fine. You're allowed okay. to not be good at a job, right? You're allowed to be given the position of power that you don't necessarily deserve. Um, yeah. You know, but again, like prepare for the ramifications. Be judged on it. Like that's just the way it goes, mm -hmm. right? If, you're, if your yeah. sole purpose is to make people more at ease, uh, more specifically to make women more at ease at playing GG, do a better job because they're not right now. Right. They're just not. So the next talking point was Vanessa saying that anyone moving forward after the Daniel Bazarian signing that signs with GG agrees with misogyny. That I had to get some clarity on for from Vanessa, right? Because I was like, I was like, I was like, Vanessa, like, if, you know, if some accountant is working, you know, in Toronto that literally has no idea what's going on in some back office, like, there's no way he supports, like, misogyny. And then she ended up clearing it up with me and saying, no, it's more like pros ambassadors. that am ambassadors, representatives, and executives that make these hiring and firing decisions. Yeah. And things got a little bit more crazy because yesterday, two people that I actually like signed with gg one of them was ginge poker who i like i like his videos and stuff he seems like a pretty intelligent guy and then sasha who we've known for a while from the las vegas uh plo scene right so i was like damn like they hired a woman and it's sasha and this whole thing is going down like right now so is her argument like what do we think about her argument because to me it has some validity like some yes so so what i was saying is like okay if I'm a pro and GG offers me a deal, right? If I accept said deal, I have to be willing to articulate why I am my reasons for joining supersede the actions taken by GG through Dan Bilzerian and other and other actions. And I don't think if you're if you're unwilling to display that that logic, then I don't think you really have that that much merit to join but i'm not what do you think about this i think there is some merit to vanessa's argument um it's very difficult to separate yourself from one of the faces of the company uh especially when the company turns a blind eye or more importantly uh supports and rallies behind what that person represents uh that said not everybody's virtues are aligned with one another so where misogyny is a big issue for for Vanessa, it may not be one for Ginge or for Sasha or for existing pros like Fedor and Daniel, whatever. And because of that, you don't need to defend it beyond the money was worth it, right? And I hate that statement, but at least it's honest. I would find it to be incredibly bullshitty to hear Ginge or Sasha or any new signings come out and say, uh, I really think I can make an impact on changing the culture from within. No, you fucking can't. The biggest name mm. on their roster 
is the person who's the issue, right? Like you aren't going to move the needle in corporate over the Dan Bilzerian hiring. And you're certainly right. not going to create a safer environment when the exact opposite is trying to be facilitated by hiring this guy, right? So like lead with some virtue, at least if you're being genuine and honest and just saying like, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse in spite of the fact that I don't agree with their corporate policies. At least that's genuine. That's at fair. Least, yeah, at least I that's saying respect, like- I would respect that. Same. I would be like, and I'm I know, like, okay, I know, man, like, do what you can, you know? Yeah, do and I know like, do, that probably it. wouldn't be good enough for Vanessa and she she would judge those people harshly. And not, I, I shouldn't, we shouldn't use her as the the face. It's not fair, right? Because it's not just her. There is right. there is uh, a large collection of women who feel marginalized and uh, continually like just saying like she's she's the one who feels things is mm -hmm. uh, it's unfair to the collective. But it's also unfair to her, right? It's putting yeah. a burden on her that like is isn't necessary. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is that uh, it becomes what what is happening? What what are we googling? I don't know. We're we're about to find out. <laughs> oh, you put in GG new ambassador. The first thing that comes up is Dan Bilzerian. Yeah, that's that's pretty well. right. So like when they're rallying behind that, obviously uh, th there's no changing the culture from within kind of thing. You just have to let this shake out, and it sucks because there are gonna some there are gonna be people who get caught in the crossfire. There are gonna be people who are collateral damage when this all shakes out one way or the other, um, and it's it's not necessarily gonna be a good look. But again. No one in the community cares, unfortunately, right? We're belaboring a point that is lost upon 90 plus percent of the entire community. And for the small percentage of people that do care, they're also largely silent, right? Um, Isn't this, I feel like this problem is so bad because it's like when PokerStars does something and increases the rake and like screws over, you know, 5% of the population that plays online, nobody cares because it's not part of their problem. When when GG screws over these women, you know, um, or, or at least like marginalizes them, uh, you know, most of the community like it doesn't it doesn't impact them, so nobody cares. When uh, you know, if some live tournament does something and changes the rules, it's like oh, it doesn't impact that many people, so nobody cares and, and move on. So it's like how many things have to happen that don't impact you um, until you start saying like, hey, maybe we should just like all like care about each other's problems here because like at the end of the day, we all interact with one another for many, 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 many years, right? Like if you're a pro, you're going to be interacting with these same pros probably for the next, you know, depending where you are in your career. But like, we're probably going to hear of Landon for the next 25 years. We're going to hear of Berkey maybe for the next 20 years, you know, et cetera. Like, it, but I'm serious. It, it's, it's, it's a problem. Like, we all interact with one another for decades. So what someone else's problem is in, in our in our community, it feels as if as a unit, it's also your problem in some facet. Yeah, um, there's, there's this famous quote that I often reference and I don't remember it all, but uh, it basically starts with, uh, first they came for the socialist and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a socialist. And it goes on and on and on, like they came for the Jews, yada, yada. And then they finally came for me and there was no one left to speak. And I feel like that's very applicable in this community because it is so nearsighted and it is so individ individualistic. Um, every example you just gave, you could just follow the paper trail, right? It's just all about the money, man. Um, and nobody's in this for noble purposes. Nobody's in this for altruism. Nobody's trying to make any sort of impact on the world through the poker community. They're literally just trying to collect EV and collect dollars. 
some people were in it more for um, self-sufficiency, independence, all of these other mm -hmm. ancillary benefits. But by and large, most day-to-day -day operations are driven by how can I increase my bottom line the most? And until that changes, until somehow we collectively come together to alter that landscape, we are just going to continually get picked apart over and over and over by the large corporations. And I don't know what that looks like coming together. I don't know if it's a union. I don't know if it's, um, you know, appointing a board of representatives of the community. Uh, it's empowering people within, though, to some level, to speak for the collective, to speak for the masses, mm -hmm. to to be able to impart change in the areas where nobody is looking out for the consumer. And that's really what we are at the end of the day is we're always the consumer. And this is the only industry I know of where the customer is never right. So, right. yeah, I mean, sure. like, I, I just don't know, you know, it, it requires. Some... We're the consumer and the product sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When we're, when we're playing these tournaments on TV, we're we... the consumer because we're paying the rake and then we're the product as well. We get leverage. On TV. Yep. For sure. And it, it all falls under the guise of this is better for the ecosystem long-term. Trust me. You'll make more dollars because of this. Trust me. Um, mm. But, you know, we're, we're just not, right? We're, we're just not at the end of the day. And it's unfortunate, right? Because, like, very few people are speaking out. And I'm sure we're going to take a lot of flack for injecting our point of view on this from both sides, right? From one side, it's uh, you don't speak for all women. From the other side, mm -hmm. it's you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a lose-lose proposition to put yourself in harm's way to try to be just for a cause. And especially in a community that's rather unwavering and pretty diligently sticking to very rudimentary, basic, sophomoric type of commentary. Right, the point. Yeah, that was that was my problem with Polk's tweet. Exactly, that's like, obviously who I have in mind. It's just like he has the biggest yeah, megaphone it, and he acts like a child. That's that that was my biggest problem. I'm like, wow, man, like you don't understand the microphone you hold in your hand. Like it's it, it's too much care. for you. No, I, I think yeah. he does. I think he knows that that will shine attention on him and away from Vanessa and Blitz and GG. And he just wants the attention on himself, maybe. It's just good for the bottom line, man. What now? Well, I guess we'll just see how this plays out, right? We we just have to wait. I mean, it goes away. It already went away. And then it came back and it'll go away again. And all you'll be left with is a handful of incredibly frustrated, aggravated community members. Well, let's move on to another topic. If you guys like the way we talk, we don't, we, we don't hold any punches, man. We don't hold any punches. I ain't scared. I ain't scared. Say what you got to say. That's one of the reasons, right? Burke, one of the reasons I don't think I would ever sign to uh, like, a, like a website is because like I want to say what I want to say. I don't want to have mm. a muzzle on me and just say that. Google like, I don't could want... muzzle your ass. Google hits you with a check. Offer. But yeah. I'll but I'll tell the truth. But I'll tell the truth. I'll be like, listen, they made an offer I couldn't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> I won't I won't say I'll try to change the culture from within. I'll yeah. be like, no more back I mean, of the room. They made movie. an offer I couldn't refuse. No more back and, of the theater you know, movie talk. This is the thing, right? Like you know, I've heard I've heard Chamath say this before, right? He's like, if you want to make a change, you got you better get the money first. Yeah, I think like, that's very true. You, you, so you, you want to make a change, you get the money. You, once you get the money, then you can make any changes you want. But when you you can't make change with no money. Well, I, so, I, I think that that is reductive in a sense. Um, I think that holds true well, I'm, for... I'm, I'm probably simplifying his No, answer, no, no. But, uh, no, but, I, I've, I've 
I know what you're referring to. And I think largely he is saying that, but he doesn't qualify it enough. That's very true for high performers. If you're a high performer, you can't make impactful change coming with no resources, right? But you are a high performer. Therefore, you can collect resources much faster than anybody else. You collect yeah. those resources, be it networking, uh, you know, money, uh, power, whatever the case may be, platforms, you collect all of those resources. And then once you have them, once you have people's attention, then you impart change. Um, but also throughout that whole process, you have to, you have to develop oneself too, right? You have to be sure that, or at least you have to be open to the fact that the change you seek is viable and uh, the best option. You have to be willing to pivot. You have to be willing to listen to those that are smarter than you, to those who have a bigger yeah. megaphone than you, whatever the case may be, right? So I agree wholeheartedly with his process, but I think it's very specific to uh, high-performing individuals. For the collective, any action is positive action, right? And largely that is just following thought leaders and industry leaders and people who do have the, the world's best interest at heart um, and helping impart that change through them, right? Helping to facilitate it. But the, the issue is that the messages all get muddled. Everybody gets told that they're a high performer, right? Like we have 95% mm. of people out there who believe that they can achieve uh, multi-millionaire or billionaire status. And, you know, the numbers just say otherwise. It's 1%, 1% of 1% maybe. Um, yeah. You know, we're all kind of bred and uh, environmentally encouraged to be the best that we can be and to be uh, the, the, the top of everything that we attempt to do. Average exists for a reason, you know? Uh, we're all very average at certain things. We're all, maybe perhaps we all possess something that we're slightly above average in. Um, yeah. But to dismiss all of our average qualities and below average qualities is to overlook uh, kind of what makes us pedestrian. And right, not being self-aware. You're just not being self-aware. Yeah, it's very important to not turn yourself into some sort of superhero. You know, it's important mm -hmm. to uh, be very in line and uh, intimately know what makes you pedestrian so that you can improve upon it. Well, here's the thing. I, I think there's a there's like a study or, or, or some sort of thought that explains that we all think the the movie is about us yeah right? like 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 the movie of life the movie of earth like we are the star of that movie right and people are watching our movie mm. right but it, that, that's not real life like we're just an extra like in in, in the movie of of life i i always reference this whenever this type of conversation comes up but david foster wallace did an amazing uh keynote speech called this is water and that's the gist or the takeaway of that entire thing is that like uh, the, it opens with this joke of two fish are swimming by an old fish and the fish says, uh, the old fish says to the two younger ones, hey boys, how's the water? And they reply with, what the hell is water? Right? Because they're mm. so unaware of the, the environment around them because everything is about them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's 20 minutes of him just kind of like belaboring that point. But you're, you're absolutely right. Like part of what allows us to survive, part of what has allowed, allowed us to get to this point through evolution and everything else is the fact that we are so self-interested. Um, only now that technology is so massive and uh, basically alleviating a lot of what makes us human, are we really able to kind of transcend that and really shine yeah. a big focus on what makes us uniquely human? Yeah. All right. Phil Humuth and Daniel Negreanu are set to face off within a week. And there's been a lot of talking. I saw you on a competitive podcast that I will not name. Uh, talking about you know your thoughts but here we go 
between the trash talk, Daniel made an offer to Phil Hellmuth and saying, hey, if you play 50 25Ks at Aria, I will lay you a price of uh, 2 to 1, uh, 400K to your 200K that you cannot show a $1 profit between 50 buy-ins. Uh, they're set to face off also in a heads-up match next week. And that's going to be on PokerGo, the high-stakes duel. Uh, Phil Hummuth will be taking on his second challenge uh, after defeating Antonio Esfandiari. So let's get the thoughts of the bet first, because bet was offered and bet was accepted. Mm-hmm. I don't think Phil Hummuth can beat these fields, man. I They're not that soft. Like, it's a 25K. This isn't... You're going to be facing Chidwick... Foxen, Ali, um, Noah, like, wait, what was his name? I forget his name for a second. Um, never mind. Hey, this is the one that looks like Justin Timberlake. Um, Noel, Noel Seven. That's his name, but I don't forget his. Sorry. Oh, Sean Winter. Yeah, yeah, Sean Winter. Noel's. Yeah, Noel like Seven. Seminole? I said Noel Seven. All right. Well, it's a Spanish thing. Noel, tu sabes, Noel. El Noel is N O E L, though. <laughs> well, you know, whatever, man. You know, respect language. Go man. on, go on. All right. Okay, but he's facing just a bunch of guys that are very good. Yeah. Like he's not facing bums. Like he he's going to be facing tough competition. It's mainly his, he has his strategic tactics won't work. Right, and I think we should talk about that. Right, like I think you made a pretty good uh, assessment. Like when we were kind of doing this pre-production of his strategic tactics are considered bad against the top tier, but maybe there's some merit to them. But it's just not going to work in a twenty-five k. Yeah, so when you're traversing these large fields, staying in the tournament is just higher EV than any one given spot, right? Mm-hmm. Period, period, end of story, end of sentence, right? Um, I think that that gets lost on top tier talent, right? I think like when the conversation comes down of would you rather have Helmuth or Nick Petrangelo in a 1500, the, the reason why I would lean Helmuth is because he recognizes that his overall EV of just having his butt in the seat is going to be greater than any one decision that he makes. Any one you know that this that is plays. a very controversial topic. Like I this is a very that. controversial topic. There was, there was a video made by, um, tough conversations, you know, like, and he was like, what the hell are you people talking about? So maybe we'll play that clip and, and then get back to this argument. But I think this is a very controversial topic. All right, guys, it's been a minute, but, uh, it's time for another tough one. And, uh, it's just time to have a tough conversation with um, anybody that has been defending Phil Humuth on Twitter for being good at playing against fish. Who isn't good at playing against fish? Anybody. Anybody that plays poker is good at playing against fish. Am I right, little man? This guy would be good at playing against fish. Just give him, give him a hand. Get him in the game. He could be the best. I mean, come on with this argument. Just anybody is a professional poker player is good at playing against fish by definition, okay? Fish are good at playing against fish. It's fucking ridiculous. I mean, it's like Nick Petrangelo, you know, in a 100K, 250K, 5 million buy-in yen tournament. I take Nick Petrangelo. But, uh, you know, in the Colossus or a 1500, I'm taking Phil Hummuth. What? No. Just stop. <laughs> I kind of, I like that's Dan O'Brien's brother. I absolutely love Dan but, but okay, a lot of people feel this way, right? And it seems like you feel like it's a little bit of, you know, maybe not so black and white like he's saying it. So yeah, you know, I think it's explain a bit, your side. I, well, I think it's just a little bit reductive. Um, 
I think it's overlooking like what skill sets are necessary to traverse a large field versus what skill sets are necessary to traverse a small one. Um, you know, the, the ROIs I assume are going to be pretty comparable between Helmuth and Petrangelo in the $500 Colossus. Uh, and I'm saying that because they bring different skill sets to a large field where it's just free money to everybody who's competent. Right. Mm. So uh, essentially what I'm getting at is that being a world beater who's capable of smashing high rollers against the toughest competition in the world isn't that much of a skill edge over the person who is the best at traversing a structure. Right. Mm. Um, you just can't increase your EV that much. There's way too much variance involved. And that really, really all we're saying whenever we say we would choose Helmuth over Petrangelo is that with 45 left, we expect Helmuth to be there more. He's just going to have greater right. opportunity. And through that greater opportunity, he's going to have more probability in deep finishes, right? Right. So we're not saying that with 45 left, we would take Helmuth over no. Petrangelo. God, no. We would, say, we would say that we just think Helmuth is going to be there more often with 45 left. Yes. That's the difference, yes. right? Yeah. And the thing is, there's no way to measure it because at the end of the day, Petrangelo already put these reps in. This is how he built his, his resume. Same thing with Jason Kuhn mm -hmm. and, and the like, right? He's already, this is wiffle ball to him. He's not going to fuck around on a 500. He's not incentivized right. to. He's already exactly. beating the best in the world. He's competing there with, you know, maybe a 10 or 15% ROI. But whenever you're talking about buy-ins in six and seven figure range, that's a lot of fucking money. So right. yeah, it, it's a really silly argument uh, that it's overlooking what each is very good at. Petrangelo is going to be top tier at recognizing the EV of every single spot that he's in, as will Jason Kuhn, as will Ike, as will... Uh, you know, all of the German collective and everybody else who's playing these high rollers, right? They're splitting hairs. They really live and die based on their ability to measure the EV of any one given spot. Helmuth yeah. is the opposite. Agreed. He's foregoing the EV in all of those spots. He's just taking what's, what's easy, what's natural, what's effortless, the highest EV mm. spots that you can't possibly miss. And he's recognizing that collectively speaking, the EV of having your ass in the chair is just significantly worth more. more so are we saying that like, are we saying that Helmuth is the greatest, uh, how do I want to say this? Like long play ICM player of all time. Like he just like no, understands I, ICM I, from the no, first deck, I, from I, the first card off the deck. Well, I don't think he understands it. I just think he intuitively plays into it favorably. Like I think he probably makes better ICM decisions in the first 10 levels of a tournament than the vast majority of uh, high level pros mm. in a in a large field open event right because okay. we, we don't want to use it's that kind of brain right? we, well a we don't want to use that kind of brain power and b we don't want to have that high of a degree of discipline or trust in our intuition because a lot of him comprehending the icm in those spots is also him taking into account that the field he's playing against under bluffs by like a magnitude of 10 so like he's just constantly funneling funneling himself into a position where ranges are super narrow and he's able to make exploitative decisions. And we of, frown upon that because it wouldn't work in a high roller. It won't work against yeah. the competition. They will abuse you because they do bluff at the proper frequencies and they do have correct ranges and they're not out of line and they don't have jack six suited in middle position when they open for 4X, right? <laughs> so like once right. you alleviate all of these egregious methods by which Helmuth is just picking up free money over and over again, yes, he doesn't have the chops to compete. 
But, you know, let's call a spade a spade. He's one of the best at doing what he does. A Joe McKeon yeah. is another great example. This guy traverses big fields like no one else. Darren Elias, another fantastic yeah. example. Are these guys winning in high rollers? Probably not. Could they? I think those two could. I don't think right. anything could help Helmuth. But I also think that's what Makes might sense. make him slightly better than Darren or Joe traversing a 1,000 or 2,000-person field. Talking about high-level talent and Phil Helmuth, one of the hot topics was a hand that Phil Helmuth played on high-stakes poker versus Doug Polk. Mm. Long story short, Phil Helmuth opens. Uh, there, I believe there's seven hand that he opens like under the gun with like queen of spades, ten. The button calls, and that's going to bring along Doug Polk in the big blind with ten seven offsuit, no spade. Flop comes jack nine eight two spades, and Doug checks. Doug flops the bottom straight, and Phil flops the top straight. Phil now also checks, which now the button has pocket twos and chooses to stab. Now action goes to Doug and he raises to 7,000, mm -hmm. right? So everything's very reasonable so far. After that, Phil Helmuth stuffs in like over 100K on the flop and the button folds clearly. And now Doug's sitting with the second nuts, no spade on Jack 9-8, two spades, facing a Phil Helmuth bomb, super bomb, atomic bomb. <laughs> and Phil Helmuth has the nuts with a spade Doug, no spade, finds the fold. And some of the conversation of the two players, uh, Doug's like, what can you possibly have here? This would be an atrocious fold if I'm wrong. And Helmuth says, I can have a lot of things. I can have two tens. And Doug's just kind of saying, you can have a lot of things, huh? Huh, okay, sure. Like, And eventually finds a fold, which is incredible. Yesterday, Finding Equilibrium releases a video and it's a very comical video. It's pretty funny. And he calls, he calls Helmuth a massive nit. Like, um, but he did say that the shove is approved in a theory standpoint with that exact combo, ninety like over ninety percent of the time. But will Helmuth find the bluffs, right? And that is the question, right? Does he have ever? Does he ever have a set? Does he ever have? Um, Sorry, does he ever have combo draws like ace, ten of spades, et cetera, to balance out this hand? And I think that's the question, right? So I'm trying to, oh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because Doug Polk's end up folding the second nuts, no spade. Whether that's theoretically sound or, or not theoretically sound is up for debate, but I think, I don't really think that's what Doug was thinking about. Think, Doug was just simply thinking, is Phil ever bluffing, period? Ever? Yeah, right? I mean, and, and that's what it comes down to. Right? Yeah. Like, Doug just made a fold based on the fact that his opponent was not capable. And I think actually uh, his hand is still supposed to fold if he's against a range that is just um, sets, nut straights, and uh, combo draws. I still think okay. that like he doesn't have enough pot share to call off, if I recall. Uh, somebody ran it and posted. I could be slightly off on the range that I'm giving Helmuth jamming. It might just be queen 10 and combo draws. Doug is mm. a big enough dog where he's not getting the right price to call. I can't recall. Um, but in any event, like, yeah, I mean, you know, Helmuth has got Helmuth. Like, it's an egregious action that he could only ever take with one hand. He would never look at two tens and think like, oh, I should just three bet shove here. I'll never get called. Um, he would never look at a hand like ace, ten of spades there. And he probably wouldn't check to begin with, but if he did, he certainly wouldn't like three bet rip five pots. Uh, right. Those thoughts just don't go through his mind. That's not the way he plays. When he's on the bluffing portion of the tree, it's all about keeping things small. If you see what he sizes with 
his bluffs, they tend to be on the small side, right? And then he's forced to parallel his value to that. So like he doesn't really mm -hmm. make big bets. And yeah. for someone who doesn't make big bets, the in inclination is if they're making a big bet, it's a fucking nutted hand because that's the only one that logically can make sense. I actually think he would yeah. like fold a hand like ace, 10 of spades. If that were the actual Just call. fold it on the flop? Might. Nah, he cold call. He just hit the cold call button. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> or maybe like let's give him like uh, 10, nine of spades for a pair and a flush draw. You might just Damn. muck it. Just muck it. I mean, I've seen him do some crazy mucks. So I don't, I don't, I can't even say no. Okay, so then, you know, film is pretty much in the, in, in poker news in the poker news every day. So now he's he 100 percent would have folded king queen of spades. Oh yeah, I think so too. I think yeah. he's. I think that's going down. That that one's going down. So for there's sure. a perfect example. Like if he's not shoving that hand through, then obviously this is a ridiculously bad play. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, okay, so now he's gonna play uh, Daniel. They're gonna be on for three matches i assume mm -hmm. very similar to this last one it could uh, you know this structure is still i'm not exactly 100 percent. like if they split the first one what happens like, i think they somebody split the has first to win two? three in a row to exit the the gauntlet so if they so but, if it goes but the, one, loser, the one, loser can always say no mm, i see so if if phil loses two he could just quit yes because he doesn't want to play for that much more money. Yes, and then allegedly Daniel would have to take on whoever is next in line for that third match. Right. A lot of rumors of like Tom Dwan being in the and on the side. Sure. Uh, okay. So, are are you like, excited about this no. uh, heads up uh, match at all? No, I think it's silly. I think the format is very silly. Uh, I I wasn't excited about Helmuth Antonio. I didn't watch any of the three. I'm not excited about this. Uh, I mean, I'm glad for the people who are. I think it's probably entertaining. I think that it leaves a lot of room for table talk. I think Phil's a character. I think that that translates very well in this particular format. But as far as the actual poker goes, like this is fucking mind numbing to me. Um, and I think that like Daniel's too confident thinking that his recently developed heads up skills are going to translate into this piss poor format. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's a heads up sit and go turbo. You're going to play 300 hands and you have to have all the chips yeah. by the end of them. So like, right, yeah, I mean, right. like, nothing gets proven off of this. No, no, but it is a nice it is a nice chance for uh, Daniel to recoup some of uh, Doug Polk losses there. You That's know, true. like yeah, he could he could just scoop up whatever three hundred thousand or something big. You know, I big estimate numbers. that Phil won't play multiple matches uh, if he loses. Maybe two at most, but I don't think he'll challenge him three times if he loses more than one. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Okay, funny little thing before we end the show, right? I was watching the last bit of the high stakes poker the last episode right which was yesterday mm -hmm. and so phil long story short phil makes a flush and tanks like five minutes on the river like call to call but he does he has a flush <laughs> he like check raises the flop makes the flush on the turn check calls the turn after making the flush mm -hmm. then leads the river gets right? raised it gets raised the guy's bluffing and then he goes in a huge tank and then calls like after getting his clock called on him yeah and then he calls makes the call stands up because he's the greatest right the next hand right very next hand rick solomon and tom dwan join the table they're like let's raise the stakes right <laughs> he just doubled up right he literally just doubled up mm -hmm. and he's like nah i can't do that i can't do that <laughs> he just doubled up he's smart man <laughs> he's like i can't do that ready so there's like all right, 
Let's do this. They all take a piece of him. Oh my god. <laughs> Dude, they all take a piece of him. Like four people have a piece of Helmut. Okay. <laughs> and then now he's playing. But he's playing for half the stakes. He's playing back to the original stakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And his piece is divided. And yeah. I'm just like, this only happens for VIPs. It's true. <laughs> like, they're it is like, true. they want to keep him in the game so bad that they'll all take a small chunk. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know why though. Like, he doesn't give anything away. He's so uh, I mean, tight. He's, not... he's just. He is. Yeah, I, I, it's different if it's like a four blind game where he's just gonna have to punt off four four different spots at the table. Um, but like, yeah. But if you watch, he's just he's just not playing great. Like he's no, of course not. Of course not. Yeah, that that's a that's an environment that like it's a mistake to bluff him. I said it before. The only reason he wins is because we let him. Just stop. Yeah. Just stop putting money in voluntarily once he already has. He just has it. Yeah, he has it. Yeah, he let he check raised the flop and then led the river. As soon as he check raised the flop and led the river. I was like, oh, no, he has a flush. Yeah, obviously. And the other guy's like, raise, because he's bluffing, because he can't call. Right. Just fold. Just always fold. Yeah, just always fold. Oh, man. That was funny. I've never seen that happen, where literally the whole table bought a piece to keep someone in I've the game. I've seen it happen in Ivy's room plenty, but it's always not Yeah, it's always a for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always for a reason. It's not always the greatest poker player of our generation, sure, you know? Sure, like. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. If you all enjoyed this show, if, if you enjoyed the topics, if you enjoy uh, us wearing headphones like these and talking about our poker hands, New Poker Out Loud is up on the subscription site. It is $50 a month now. For now, I don't know. I'm debating raising it up again because like there's a lot of hot hotness going on. People are like, yo, we need this show, whatever. Get it in now. It's quick. 50, 50 pesos. It's rápido. It's rápido. Not till if next you month. Don't have... They still have two weeks. Oh, my God. Wait two weeks. Help us. We need to keep <laughs> the lights on. Okay. Get in now before before the prices go up. And if you want to watch it for free, we do have a vlogger edition on YouTube. Uh, it is one of my favorite shows going on right now. You can watch The Young Prince. You can watch some of your favorite vloggers like Johnny Vibes uh, on the show. And, of course, for myself, Christian Soto, and Matt Berkey, thank you, and we're out. <laughs> <laughs>